Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome. You're listening to the Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you can join us. Before we get into a word, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord. We just thank you for how you've been in our lives, Lord, and that you're always there, Lord, and that we don't have to seek you out, Lord, but that actually we do seek you out, Lord, but that you come to us freely as well, Lord, and share us, share with us all the stuff that you have for us to learn, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit, Lord, and just giving him freely and placing him in us, Lord. And Lord, I also just thank you for our podcast and everything that you've been doing with this ministry, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everybody. As we continue our study in the book of Romans. Mm-hmm. So we are continuing chapter 11. And can I get a volunteer to read verses 7 through 16, please? I will. What then? Wait, wait, sorry. Go ahead, sir. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were, were blinded, just as it is written. God has given them a spirit of stupor, stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so they do not see, and bow, and Bow down their back, bow. Wait, bow down their backwards ways. Bow back. down their back always. Always. Mm-hmm. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall, if their fall is richest for the world and their failure richest for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles. It, Inasmuch as I am apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke, wait, yeah, I pro- if if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them, for if they are being cast away is reconciling reconciling to the world, what will acceptance be but to life from the dead? For the fir- first fruit is holy, and the lamp is also holy. Lump, sorry. And if the root is holy, so are, so are the branches. Mm-hmm. Amen. So as is our custom, I'm going to open the floor up to each of you to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you and ask any questions that you have. All right? We're all learning and growing together. Not any one person has all the answers. But we do all have the same Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Yes. So who'd like to begin? So when Paul was saying that he was going to the Gentiles to provoke the Israelites to jealousy to save them, was he saying that he was um, teaching the Gentiles and because the Gentiles are being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and being used by God that the Israelites would then want to come in and have the same thing? Versus walking away and doing their own thing? Repeat that question one more time. 
when Paul was talking about going to the Gentiles, was he saying that um, when he preached to the Gentiles because they were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and being used by the Lord, and some of the Israelites weren't, that that would provoke the Israelites to come and be a part of God's plan instead of doing their own thing? That is part of the hope, right? So Paul looking at, of course, I'll say first and foremost, listening to the Holy Spirit and being taught the word, right? Knew what scripture had said. And we'll we'll go over a few examples here in a second. But he understood what the Lord was doing in when he says in scripture, I have sheep that are not of this fold, right? Yes. And uh, we've talked about it here before with Abraham and with Melchizedek. Who was Melchizedek? A priest to the Lord. A priest to the Lord. So it doesn't say that he was a Hebrew or that he was a, a Jew or Jewish, right? Yes. And actually neither was Abraham a Jew or Jewish when the Lord called him, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But the Lord said what he what the Lord said. And Abraham came into faith and believed it, right? And Melchizedek, yes, was a king and priest of the Lord. Yes? Yes. So wait, so he was not, again, a Jew or Hebrew. He just trusted the Lord. He believed in the Lord. And what the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, had shared with him. Yes? Yes. Okay. So, yes. so Paul has gone through different scriptures here. Um. We'll go to Isaiah first, right? Isaiah 29. We'll start in verse 9. And it's really 9 through 10. Um, so can I get a volunteer to read that, please? Isaiah 29, verses 9 and 10. I'll read it. Okay. Pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. Mm-hmm. So what he's talking about here, and this is in this section, really all of Isaiah 29, is a woe pronounced on Jerusalem. All right? And I bring that up because it resembles what is being said in verse in Romans 11, verse 8, right? <clears throat> Talking about the rest being blinded. But you see the why. If you read all of Isaiah 29, and that is because of disobedience, because of rebelliousness. Right? The same thing that you see all the way back in the wilderness, or sorry, before the wilderness, in Egypt with Pharaoh, right? It says, I'll harden his heart. Well, why? Why is that able to happen? Because Pharaoh also considered himself a god. He was treated, that's how the entire nation at that time was set up. That the Pharaohs were considered to be descendants of the gods and a god. That There's a rebelliousness there. Right, we saw that same situation play out, if you will, with um, oh, man, Daniel and uh, 
Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, thank you very and much. And his son. And his son, but especially Nebuchadnezzar, right? Where the Lord said what he said. He did not heed, right? He rebelled. He hardened his heart and then spent seven years living as a wild beast. And then when he acknowledged and submitted himself, humbled himself and submitted himself to the Lord. He glorified God as God. Exactly. Glorifying the Lord, God as God. Mm -hmm. Then the Lord took him and restored him back to his place that the Lord had set him at as king. Not man. The Lord had set him there. When he acknowledged that, he was restored to the place that the Lord had given him. And honey, can I interject something real Please quickly? Do. Um, Layla, to your question, it's important for you to remember, Paul is not the orchestrator of the things of God. Exactly. He is a, a participant via the ministry that God gave him. He's participating in the plan of God, but he's not the one that's coming up with it. He's not orchestrating it. It's not by Paul's divine providence that these things are happening. So remember that it's God working his plan in the earth. And his plan is to, like, like you said, sweetheart, to bring in sheep that are not of this fold. And because of righteousness, God has to go about doing things a certain way. Right? So yes. this is God's plan. He's already said it on his timeline. When, when Jesus referred to every jot and tittle being fulfilled, he wasn't just talking about the, the written law of Moses. He was talking about everything that God had ordained and pre-planned and predestined and purposed within himself to bring to pass, it is going to be brought to pass. So as you're looking at this, this is what God wanted to happen. He wanted to give opportunity for everyone to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he's doing. And now he knew that his chosen people in the, in the natural would reject him. He already knew that. That's why he said he had a, a chief cornerstone. He was laying a stumbling block before them, right? That yes. stumbling block is Jesus. Yes. So he understood these things and, you, and is taking it as an opportunity to work it, to bring in righteously and rightfully to bringing other people that will believe in him and believe on his name. Mm -hmm. Okay? So yes. go ahead. Honey. Uh, I would also say it continues right into verse 9. What does? Um, what we were just talking about, right? And with the the hardening of hearts, right? Yes. And he gave them opportunity. Plenty he didn't of force opportunity, them to, yes. He didn't force them and make their heart hard, by which they are free of obligation toward it. He gave them an opportunity. And, and I love how the Lord does this, in, in this case, through Paul, right? He is. He brings up a point, and then he, he continues, but then you can almost say circles right back to that point that was brought up earlier, right? Yes. So if we look at Romans chapter 9, 14 through 18, exactly what we were just discussing. Paul, well, the Holy Spirit through Paul has already mentioned, right? So he says, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. 
Right, so we, we've already kind of discussed this in a previous episode, obviously, when we covered that section of scripture. Right, but it just proves the point here. The falling away, the being blinded, if you will, having ears that, that don't hear clearly, comes as a result of our rebelliousness, which is sin. Right? Yes. That's the Lord's perspective on obedience and disobedience, right? He says that to, yes. to King Saul. Right? Yes. And he said the same thing to Moses and Aaron. He reviews uh, rebelliousness as witchcraft and greed as idolatry. Right? Yes. Either way, it's sin. It's, it's a breaking of faith. It separates us from the Lord. And as we've discussed many times, sin's complicated. That's why in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, it takes so many verses to explain all the things that happen as a result of sin. But it's not so with the Lord, as in complicated, when we're just obedient to him and to his will for us in, in our lives. It's simple. It's easy. So does that answer your question? Or is, is there yes. more? That answers my question. Okay. I was just wondering, kind of son of as though Paul was... Um, phrase it like trying to anger them into it but not in a loving way like um sometimes how we do stuff to anger the boys and get them to do something i want and and that's not right and i don't condone that behavior but that's just kind of where my question originated from sure and you're talking more along the lines of manipulation Mm -hmm. he's talking about um encouraging them and inspiring them to make them mm-hmm. say, hey, that was for us. Wait, God came to us first. We should be having those things manifest in our lives, not be, you know, on the sideline watching. We should be experiencing that because God came to us first. So he's talking about it. Inspiration, no manipulation, because we can't use wickedness to accomplish the will of the Lord. Right. That doesn't yes. <laughs> that doesn't work. Those don't go together. Exactly. And, and let's, let's not forget that Paul first in his ministry first went to the Jews, right? Yes. He went to his own people mm-hmm. and they rejected him just as they rejected the Lord. Right. And I think there's also some development of the ministry that God had actually called him to mm-hmm. in that because it would seem natural when you first come to the Lord to naturally think, oh, I should go to my brethren because they're the chosen people of God. This makes sense. But I, I believe God had already called him and set him apart, which uh, Paul begins to declare as you as read his other writings that this is what he was separated for. This to this ministry to the Gentiles is what God actually called him to do. And um, so while he did have mysteries revealed to him and he is someone that we look up to as a, an older brother in Christ, he still also had to learn his position and his call. What does his ministry look like? The other disciples were called to Israel for the most part. Um, we saw Peter go to the Gentiles initially when they received the spirit and, and things of that nature. But the bulk of their ministry was to other Hebrews or other um, Jews, but his ministry was different and was to the Gentiles. And that's how God wanted to use him. So understanding while there's similarities, this was unique to him that he needed to fulfill what God asked him to do, despite what it seemed like. I mean, God would use all of those things together to accomplish God's will in the earth. And I was just going to say, while you're mentioning that, <clears throat> Kamisha, that, um, that was 
Paul was not trying to say that um, that he wouldn't continue to um, have a heart's desire for his own people or that he would minister to them or that they weren't included or that he somehow has turned his back mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. It was just he was clear in what God had called him to do. Exactly. And, and he declares his heart. We read a couple chapters ago that he wished they would all come in. And if it mm-hmm. if he could be a sacrifice for them, if he could take a penalty for them in some way so that they could come in, he would be willing to do it. It was that dear to his heart. And then he yet, like you said, Dean, accepted and understood this is where God has called me. And I think that's a, a side note, but a lesson to all of us. We, we see things in our mind and we're like, God, but that would be more important over there. That would seem like it would be the right thing to do. But when God says, if you just do what I ask you to do, then there will be all this blessing that come as a result of it. And Paul, who is our big brother, had to see that and go, okay, God, you know, you know, this is my heart's desire, my longing that my kindred would understand you and receive you, Jesus, and not be cast away in the end to suffer eternal separation from you, but they would come to repentance to know you. And in the midst of that, God, I'm going to go where you tell me to go, and I'm going to do what you tell me to do, because you know, (laughs) and you're right in your perspective. So, you know, he is as he's teaching, he's also talking and under declaring the wisdom of God, the mystery, like, okay, God, if I come over here and do this, you're still going to reap this harvest because at the very least it'll provoke <laughs> my, my brethren of the flesh to jealousy, to come and seek after you in a different way beyond their natural works, beyond the works of the law and the works of their flesh, but they'll come to you with their heart, which is what you truly require and you desire Lord. And they'll see you Jesus and call on your name and be saved. Mm-hmm. And then I want to bring this up, right? Because we talked about why the, I'll say the people are in this place, right? Why they, in this case, are unable to hear, right? And it has to yes. do with rebelliousness and all that. But let's, let's look back through some other scripture in the Old Testament, because you see this pattern throughout. And I want to bring up this pattern again, not to I'll say this just plainly, not to condemn Israel or the Jews or the Hebrews, because this applies to us as well. And we're, we're of course, going to cover this here in this in this same chapter, chapter Romans sinned. 11, all of us, and right? fall short of the glory Amen. of God. So. And the Lord made a way that we can all turn to him, everyone, right? Yes. Anyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? That's simple. Not Jesus. just for the Jews. Right. <laughs> Amen. Yes. So, Amen. Um, in Haggai, chapter 2, the Lord talks about the coming of, uh, the coming glory of the Lord's house. Right? Um, and he gives very specific instructions to Zerubbabel, and Joshua. And that's in chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Right? Actually, could I get someone to read uh, Haggai chapter 2, 4 through 6, please? I'll read it. Thank you, honey. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak. Uh, actually, can I interrupt? Uh, through 7, please. Through 7? Okay. Yes. The high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you. Boy, that's speaking to me. Amen. Says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear, 
For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Um, there's a lot in there. Amen. But let's also look back at this, right? He's speaking to the leaders of the day, right? Yes. Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah. Even though at the time, right, they were in captivity and coming back to, to build the temple. And he speaks to Joshua, the high priest, right? Yes. But he says, and I love this in verse 5, right? He says, right, uh, I'm with you. Uh, this is in verse 4. I'm with you. And then he says, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So, in other words, all the way back then, which, of course, is a significant amount of time when the word of the Lord is coming to Haggai. That's a significant amount of time. But the Lord's reminding them of all the things he said and spoke then and how they still apply. But then... In verses 10 through 14, he's talking about the people. It, right? So so the section we just read is, is the Lord saying, I'm going to restore the glory to this house. Right? Yes. Okay. But then there's also the, you need to do this part. Right? And he's talking about the people. And he asks a question to the priests of if this thing is holy, the meat that they carry in the full of their garment is holy, and then the garment touches anything, does that thing become holy? And they answered no. And then he says, okay, so if one who's unclean touches anything, do those things become unclean? And the priest answered yes. So then the Lord through Haggai answered and said, so is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord. And so is every work of the hands, and what they offer there is unclean. So let's look at that, because it's not about having the place. It's not about just doing the works. It's about turning to the Lord fully. Serving the Lord with your mind, heart, well, heart, mind, body, and soul. Right? Yes. yes. That's what the Lord is looking for. He, if he is God, then we will serve him fully with every aspect of our being and in everything we do. And the Lord is saying that that hasn't been done. And it's not just there, right? Because Ezekiel writes about it as well. And he's talking about the temple in Ezekiel 43. Let me get there real quick. So we just read in Haggai about the Lord returning to the temple and the glory being restored there, right? Yes. In Ezekiel 43, verses 6 and 7, he says this, Then I heard him, as the Lord, of course, speaking to me from the temple while a man stood beside me. And he said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne, 
and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. No more shall the house of Israel defile my holy name, they nor their kings by their harlotry or with the carcasses of their kings on their high places. So then, of course, they go through this process of those that are cleaning the temple and consecrating the altar and are going through this refinement process, or I will say a revival. And you see the same thing in Haggai and Zechariah, right? There is this revival, this turning to the Lord. The people chose to follow the Lord, and you see that in their lives, right? Was it perfect? No. Did they complete it? No, because um, that's Haggai and Zechariah. And in Ezra and Nehemiah, you see, I'll say the second half of that revival come in where they continue and complete the work, right? Yes. But here in, in back to Ezekiel, in chapter 44, in verse 4, he's brought back to the temple and says, he brought me by the way of the north gate to the front of the temple. So I looked and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord and I fell on my face, right? This is at the end of all this consecrating to the Lord and the altars and the, or sorry, consecrating the altars and making sacrifices to the Lord and well, call it revival, a building up and a restoring and getting the people getting their hearts right or coming into alignment with the Lord. And that's for us today. Does it apply in the same way of all the, the actual sacrifices of lamb? No, no, no. Because the Lord says, I require obedience rather than sacrifice. That's what he's been looking for this entire time in our lives is obedience to him, to his leading, because he's our God and we should be his people. That's what he requires. And that's, that's the covenant. That's written from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It matters. It matters to us today. But we have to clean the things in our out of our lives that don't reflect Christ and his nature and his character and actually are against, oppose, or are abominations to him. Not how we view things, but how the Lord views things and clear those things out of our lives. Because it matters. Last time I checked, everyone I've spoken to wants to enter into his heaven, right? Yes. We don't have our own heaven that we can enter in. So if we want to enter into his heaven, then we have to do things his way. There's not a substitute. But you can read that throughout scripture as well, where people tried to come up with their own way, their own plan, which is rebelliousness which is only sin and that separates us from the Lord instead of joins us with him and enters into that covenant, that covenant relationship with him. So I know that was a, a long explanation for your, your question, Layla, but um, it, it was a great question and um, provided, hopefully this provides a lot more insight it and did. perspective for all of us. So, um, for time and to be considerate of everyone's time we'll pause there for today and we will 
pick this back up again on the next episode. Mm-hmm. All right? Okay. okay. So, uh, can I get someone to close us out in prayer, please? Sure, I will. All right, honey, honey. Lord, we thank you for being so gracious towards us, being so patient and so merciful towards us, God. Thank you for your grace that sustains us. Thank you for your life that provides and supplies us, God. Thank you for just loving us right where we are, Jesus. Thank you for taking the cost and the penalty of our sin upon yourself, Lord. Thank you for being our friend and our confidant who sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for your unconditional love. Please forgive us of the things that we've done that are against you, Lord, that are contrary to your will, to your word, and to who you are in your way, God. And we thank you that you are faithful and just when we confess our sins to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. And we just thank you, God. Cleanse our minds from dead works so that way we may do those things that are pleasing to you, Lord. And we carry within ourselves a deep understanding and recognition for the fact of that it's your grace, it's your goodness, and it's your mercy alone that allows us to live, that allows us to see you, allows us to be partakers of the same grace that you've provided in Jesus Christ and for us to have life in him. And we honor you for that, Lord. And we love you. We forgive others. If we have any ought against them, Lord, with the same generosity and liberality that you have forgiven us, with which you apply to our lives and that we hope and expect to have applied from you to us, Lord God, we apply to others. We let them go. And we ask you to take care of those who have wronged us, Lord, to bless those that have done wrong against us, Jesus, that have used us or manipulated or hurt or harmed or intended to cause danger or damage. God, we, for, we forgive with our whole heart in sincerity because your way is righteousness and you are good, Lord. We just bless you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, and we ask you to bless our partners, God, and the listeners of this, this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We love you. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.